Good afternoon on June 1st, 2021. This episode is called Lord, Savior, Master. Say what? Yeah, Lord, Savior, Master. Say what? Now, no doubt, the last word gets your attention. However, I'm not talking about that kind of master. Not by any stretch of the imagination. You see, many don't mind the Lord being the Lord, as in a way of, oh yeah, he created all things. He's in control of everything. And we don't mind him being our savior. But when we get the master, that's another thing. We know that a nasty word among black folks and Hispanics and other ethnic groups over the centuries. See, many people know how a master treated, treated their slaves. But I'm here to talk about a master who is nothing like the others that's in history. Nothing like them at all. See, this master I'm talking about, though he's strict, even though he's strict, he's someone who cares about those he's chosen and doesn't consider them slaves, period. Especially one under hard bondage. Now, St. John 8 and 36 from the NIV says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This master wants to be in charge of your life from top to bottom and all points in between. He earned that title and he has your best interest at heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the masters of old, they were only that because they had money, they were a majority who could set whatever laws they wanted. And let's not forget that they had a feeling of superiority because of the money and the power. But they lacked one thing, a loving heart. Jesus has a loving heart and he wants, and he asks us to, to do in life, excuse me, Jesus has a loving heart and what he asks us to do in life is not hard. Humanity has made salvation difficult to maintain, as if this last road isn't difficult enough. Now I'm going to give you four scriptures that originally tell us about what he requires, and though it's a difficult road, he'll never leave us or forsake us. First is St. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30 from NIV. Jesus says, Come to me, or who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Second one, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, NIV. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. 
Alright, the third one is First John chapter 5, verse 3 from NLT. Loving God means keeping his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. And the fourth one is St. John chapter 5, verse 24 from the NIV. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but of course over from death to life. Now you heard all those four scriptures? Do not ask you. Does that sound like a slavery master to you? And the word master back then and now means teacher, as does the word rabbi. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So it's time for folks to stop having PTSD over that word. So those are some of the things God has said, but salvation has been twisted has been twisted beyond belief. It's amazing what they teach now. But we shouldn't be too surprised because these are the last days. Either folks make it too easy, like the ultra race doctrine, or they make it too hard, legalism. Both will make you not get close to Jesus as you may wish. See, one says you can do what you want after coming to Jesus and still go to eternal life. That's garbage. Don't you believe it? And the other one has you jumping through hoops in order to prove you're saved by using man-made rules. Now here's an example of why Elster Grace is wrong. Then I'll give you one example of why legalism is wrong. First, first of all, Elster Grace. This is from Jude verse 4, because Jude only has one chapter. So if you want to say Jude chapter 1 verse 4, okay. From the NIV. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written long ago have secretly slipped in among you. There are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. They're saying there's ungodly people who pervert the grace of God. They made the grace of God like into a license for doing the wrong thing. Oh, it's okay if you do that. God understands. Yeah, he understands, all right, that you don't need to do it. See, they changed the grace of God into a license for immorality, for doing all the wrong things. And they say it's all right. And we're there now. This was written a long time ago. We're here now. See, they give a license to sin and say grace will automatically bail you out. This false teaching actually denies Jesus because the gospel has been twisted. So in actuality, you're denying who Jesus is by twisting the gospel. Now legalism, legalism, <clears throat> legalism, sorry. Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13 from NIV. Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, 
but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Oof, ain't that the truth? Now my friends and I could could, write, could probably write a book on legalism. <laughs> Man-made rules that have nothing to do with your relationship with Jesus, the rightful master. But through years of not knowing, we were obedient to it. We just believed at the time, you know. We they they probably thought they were doing right. Anyway, do you see how God said in Isaiah that people's hearts were far from him? Not only does our God see all hypocrites, but if we take it out of the church for a minute, we just want to pass on that people who work in various places, they may feel obligated to follow their company's policy on discrimination. But if their heart does not change, then they're just following writing on paper. And they don't care who they hurt. In other words, they, they say, oh, my policy is I have to treat you like this. So they go about what's written down on paper. But inside their heart, they still hate you. Because you're black, because you're white, because you're Hispanic, because you're Native American, whatever. Because you're Asian. The heart is what has to be changed. I don't care if you follow what's on paper. God's looking at the heart. He's not looking at the outward appearance. The Bible tells you. I believe it's in 1 Samuel 16 7. Someone did. See? But if the heart does not change, then it's just following writing on paper and don't care who it hurt. And now, while I will not judge the validity of an apology, we can be sure that not every apology is sincere. Now, a person may sound sincere, but that doesn't mean they are. So whether in the church or outside the church, the heart must be changed. Here's Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 from NIV. I will, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Because flesh is pliable. Stone, you know, is hard. You can't, you can't move it. You can't change that. But if you get a heart of flesh, it's, it's pliable. God can do something with it. <clears throat> yes, technically he was addressing Israel. But what happened in the New Testament when we come to Christ that's what happens. You get a new heart. Now, if this was only to Israel, that would mean that God has respect to persons, a.k.a. favoritism, and he doesn't. Now, so far, this sounds like someone worth having as a master. Told some will and way and word is for something we have to be willing to do. It's not easy to give a give up control as a human. Once you see God work, you want him to do it again and again. Hallelujah. That's right. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. It ain't a piece of cake to wait on him to fix the situation. 
Because we usually expect things to get fixed our way. That ain't gonna happen. It's his way or the highway. I told you he was tricked. But he's just. And to fair, I suggest. As professing believers, many say, He's Lord, because nobody can do what he can do. And he's my savior because he saved my soul from a burning hell. But how many have you heard say that he's my Lord and master? Probably some, but not a majority. That word has such a negative connotation to it. But all people was to get over that hump by trusting God to be the right kind of master. There are so many definitions listed for the word master in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. It's too many to list. But the first one is a male teacher. The apostles referred to Jesus as their master, meaning teacher, not a tough burden taskmaster. However, over the years, the word has only maintained negative connotations as opposed to its original meaning. <clears throat> St. John chapter 23, verse 10, from the King James. Neither be you called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Now, when you look at other versions, they refer to master as a leader, an instructor, and a teacher, not a slave owner. So let's get that straight. So those of us who don't mind having Jesus as our master meaning that he has control of our life. That's the only similarity argument one might have. So then that's when rebellious people will say that no one is going to rule over me. I make my own decisions. In today's society, that's the answer for everything. Be your own person and don't let anyone tell you how to live. Sounds good to your ears, don't it? Well, humanity's desire to always do their own thing, that's nothing new. Excuse me. Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16, from NLT. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. See, that's where, that's where structure comes in. A lot of people today don't have structure. You got to have something to keep you grounded. He said, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. That's your structure. Not just willy-nilly, anything goes, do what you want. I'm going to heaven anyhow. No, you're not. But you, excuse me, but you see what rebellious people say at the end. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. So in other words, we don't want to go your way, Lord. And that was said thousands of years ago. Here's another one. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 12. From the but the people replied, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want. Stubbornly following our own 
evil desires. Now the response you may get is, my desires are not evil. Well, that's according to who? According to you? Well, the Bible says something about that. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, from the complete Jewish Bible. All the ways of people are pure in their own eyes, but the Lord tests the motives. So when you say, my desires are not evil, yeah, God knows. Of course, the youth are going to be pure. Your ways are going to be just right. You're not going to admit that you're wrong. Now, the ACLU, the BLM, white supremacists, scientists, Nazis, they all think they are pure in their own eyes. But individually, God knows your motive, their motive and knows your motive for supporting either outside or inside these groups. Either you send the outsider group and say, yeah, I'm with them, or you involve yourself inside the group. Their intention to them is to have a better country where their version of right and wrong abounds. As far as God is concerned, only his way is correct. And all those good intentions, they mean nothing if they don't align with his word. And we can see that by, by that list I just gave, that even if those groups were to start off their day with a prayer, it's almost laughable to think that their prayer will be heard. Why? Well, do I sound pompous to you? Well, I apologize if I sound that way. But, let me tell you something. Well, you know how I like to back things up with the Bible. So here it goes. So these people who think they're right in their own eyes, once again, Proverbs, chapter 28, verse 9, from the NIV. If any, God saying, if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. I'm going to do with that. And another one of my Proverbs, chapter 1, verses 24 to 29, from the NIV. You're not going to believe God said this. This was pertaining to him as wisdom. <clears throat> You know, wisdom, when you don't, when people don't want to listen to good wisdom, God says this. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I tripped out my hand, since you did disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call for me, I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hid knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Mm. Now don't get worried that God has turned his back on you. Who is he talking to? Those who hate knowledge and don't fear the Lord. Is that you? If it is, that's talking to you. If you love and seek the knowledge of God 
and fear the Lord is not talking to you. But you might say that a person not interested in the Bible won't even read this. That's right. So a born again person is supposed to study the word. Therefore, they should realize that this kind of info is something they should be aware of to warn people of the pitfalls of not fearing the Lord and rejecting his knowledge throughout their lifetime. Ezekiel chapter 33, 1b to 5, the verse 5, the NIV. <clears throat> God says, When I bring the sword against the land, and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman. All right, for modern day, think of more than one man. Think Coast Guard. So when I bring the sword against the land, and the people of the land choose the Coast Guard and make them their watchman for the coast. And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet which is a sign of warning. Like some of you might have heard, you know what a tornado siren sounds like. Okay? So, he sees the sword coming against the land, and he blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet, but does not heed the warning, and the sword comes to take their life, their blood will be in their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not heed the warning, their blood will be in their own head. If they heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. So, in closing, let Jesus be Lord, Savior, and Master over your life. It's not to bind you, it's to liberate you from yourself. If one feels that they're alright and don't need God's help, then they do need God's help badly. Ask God for salvation if you don't have it. Ask God for salvation, and after you get it, including your prayers, asking Him to not let you have limited vision to what's going on in the world, especially if they pertain to prophecy. Some people I've talked to only see as far as Democrats and Republicans. Some people only see Israel as bad and their enemies as oppressed human beings who are really good. Some people seem satisfied to accept the pandemic and not to hold anyone accountable. Others don't think there is a systematic racial problem in this country. And others because of it, think they think with their butt, not with their brain. In other words, they got so much anger, they think with their butt, not their brain. They cut off their nose to spite their face. Okay, read between the lines. Now, before I get lost in the weeds, don't become one of those who feel that Jesus is right for some people, but not for everyone. He paid to higher price to set up your freedom and mine. So he is right for everyone. If Jesus is not right for you or humanity, who is? Their spouse? That's idolatry. 
Their family, that's idolatry. Themselves, that's idolatry. Their political candidate, that's idolatry. Money, that's idolatry. We could go on and on, but I think we got the message. So remember, the word master is not what you think.